Hello, and welcome to the Consultant Saying Things video podcast. I'm Chris Lockhart. In today's episode, I'm joined by Bill Bensing, Shashi Shramali, and Phil Yanov to discuss mergers and acquisitions, uh, both the technology and the cultural implications of M&A. Uh, as you'll notice, I'm not in my usual place or in my usual costume. Uh, I'm in an undisclosed location on the road. Now, it's undisclosed because I've been a very loyal customer of this gigantic hotel chain for going on 20 years. But given some current news regarding this gigantic hotel chain, I thought it was appropriate to record this intro from their business center before heading over to my client to do some actual work. You know, as you'll see, I think the topic of M&A and the various risks associated with it are extremely pertinent to some of the current events going on. Now, I welcome your comments, your critiques, your ideas for new episodes. Join the conversation either at LinkedIn or maybe via Twitter uh, or YouTube or through our website, consultantsayingthings.com. So if you're watching on a train or at lunch or listening to this on an airplane, I hope you enjoy this episode. Here it is. Consultant saying things, the one about M&A. Shashi, this was your idea. Um, I think you mentioned it in chat a while ago, talking about M&A. Uh, I know you're working with M&A right now, mergers and acquisitions, um, as it relates to IT. Um, so maybe maybe we open this up and, and you know, give us like the five minutes of um, sort of things you're observing, and then we can sort of poke around some of those some of those topics. Whenever um, a mergers and acquisition scenario happens, um, ideally they should start off with understanding uh, what what they are acquiring as part of this company. Not only just the business they are acquiring, they are also acquiring their IT and operations as well. Most of the time, uh, people get excited about this whole idea of uh, forming a great company through mergers and acquisitions but not short on doing IT due diligence, which comes and bites them at later point in time once they have closed the deal because they have no freaking idea how much they have to spend in order to get the IT right, first of all. Uh, and it even gets worse if you are trying to acquire a company, uh, a portion of a company which is getting spinned off, and you have no idea how co-mingled those applications are. You add global presence of a company into play and and multiply your you know, problems by 10-fold or 20-folds. Um, so IT has a big role in play, big role to play in uh, mergers and acquisition scenario. Uh, for the day one, um, you know, to continue to run your operations, you need to focus on a financial reporting if it's a you know if it's a public company. And then second is you need to get your IT infrastructure security um, absolutely right when it comes to your day one situation. So Extremely important for you to have dedicated focus on IT when it comes to uh, any mergers and acquisition scenario. All right. So you mentioned due diligence, right? It seems like, I mean, that's something that's that's going to happen. And whether it's effective or not is probably um, what you're alluding to there. I, you also mentioned reporting, uh, financial reporting in terms, you know, for, for public entities. But what I want to, what I picked up on, which I think is actually where I've seen major, major issues is around security, right? And and users and um, credentials and certificates and all of these sorts of things. You know, I, I think it's just de rigor, right? That there's there are lots of potential for getting this wrong, um, and 
you know, we, we know yet another guy, that's just his bit, right? That's what he does is he helps people going through M&A um, actually get the credentialing component of this right because it's that's an issue. Your chances of getting it wrong is much more than your chances of getting it right. You know, if you were to pick sort of the top three things that are uh, causing these misfires, what are they? And, and then we can get into sort of, you know, what do you, how do you address each of them? I think the first and foremost is, is the type of company you are hiring. So I'm working with a client right now, which is a global entity, and the, the way they have operated is in each of those regions, Europe, US, um, and Asia, they have bought these companies, which has about 8 to 10 or 12 uh, IT employees supporting infrastructure security and application, but they have left them on their own, right? They themselves do not have a good picture of what are my locations, who are the people who are working on that location? What my overall infrastructure looks like? What my security looks like? And they are looking at spinning off a particular division of the company, uh, which is co-mingled with their other division. The company who is buying it, the company whom I'm representing, they are right now nervous because their IT employees are at CIO is nervous saying that, I don't know what I'm buying. Probably if a lot of people don't know about this. I am the least experienced in mergers and acquisitions. I've done a total of zero <laughs> so so i'm coming from a a, a a spot of ignorance not knowing what's going on um, the arrogance will come later though i guarantee it uh so from a spot of ignorance like what i heard you say though just let me sum it up is the reason why m a um from an it security is ineffective is first off the independent entities themselves don't have their stuff together when they're doing security they don't have a clear security model they have a known security model they have known security interfaces um, it may be okay known, but not well known and not standardized. So therefore, I think about my architectural background. When I go to interface two different companies or two different components, if your interfaces are ambiguous or they're ill-defined, then by definition, it's very hard to enter. You can't integrate. It's not an education thing. So what happens is, I mean, really, you know, business decides they want to acquire another entity and they want to run through it, right? They want to race to it. They want to close the deal faster rather than later because of many reasons because you know proper due diligence takes a lot of time and especially when it comes to IT and looking at all the dimension of it and I totally understand that business does not want to spend too much time between you know what do you call it coming into an agreement and actually closing the deal. Longer it is, the more distress you give to your you know entire company, your customers, your employees. You want to shorten that cycle. You go for a rapid due diligence upfront, and that is at a fairly high level. And you know, people who are doing that either are in do not have enough depth of information or knowledge to do the right work. Most of the things are uncovered after the deal has been closed. So, it's the it's the nature of the problem. I don't know how to solve that honestly. Um, I see both sides of the house. I see value in doing both, but if you do too much analysis upfront. You are spending too much time and you will lose the deal value. Why are you even merging in that? Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, you, you can't spend a year doing an in-depth security due diligence. Uh, and it's, it's about minimizing the risk. That's what it is. So does that really become the thing is, yes, you probably ought to minimize the risk. I mean, to Shashi's point, this is something that, you know, you're not making the decision whether you're going to integrate or not integrate, whether you're going to perform the merger or the acquisition based on what state the person's IT is in. Um, you're just going to say, 
we're going to buy this and we and here are the places this is what it's going to need right i mean i've been through this too and i think about the experiences i've had with it and i've said look i don't know what this company's business looks like but i can tell you this it is a mess right i mean it was a thing where they were just undisciplined about it and when it came time to do that merger i mean it was a very complicated very difficult thing uh based on the size we were, right? They were relatively small companies. This should have been easy. But the fact is, we didn't know where, where anything was. So integrating accounting and process and all the rest, uh, you know, basically at some point, you just had to throw a whole bunch of it away and say, look, you're all brand new employees of the old entity. Is this a technical debt problem? Like, um, you know, what we're really saying is the acquisition of a potential of a, of a company comes with so much legacy uh, different technology, you know, they've got Lotus Notes or whatever, right? And and it's it's a technical debt thing, or is it like because uh, it, if it's just a pure play, uh, it's hard to integrate shit, right? Then it's like, well, that's there's nothing special about that. I have a sense that it's a little more different than say integrating one silo with another within a company. I think it seems like it's different to me. Am I wrong? I would go back to this as, as you're talking to this, and, and Shashi, correct me if I'm wrong, but this just down, I mean, and Chris, too, this is, well, and Phil, throw everybody Not in there. Phil, though. Not no, no. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> throw everybody in there. Just, this sounds like security is, an, security is an architectural component. I look at it as it's a component, it's a standard, it's a spec. And if you're telling me you can't integrate security between two companies, you're telling me nobody, the people have not thought about their standards and their processes for security. They're not well-known, they're not communicated, which could be documented or however you want to describe communication. But when you're thinking about it, it's, it, you, I go back to interfaces, you don't have an interface and that's, that, that, that's your problem. But you are right, it really, see, it depends on the maturity level of company you are acquiring, right? We all go through, you know, security is never a problem on anyone. You are in startup, right? You would, if you start your company right now with people, you won't care about security. It kicks in as and when you start growing you become serious and it goes to the next level of seriousness when you become a public company. So I would say like, and you know, level of maturity of a company has a bigger role to play when it comes to paying heat to something like security. And I'm seeing like, you know, it's a $2 billion company. I'm like right now consulting um, and their IT spend is less than 1%. They're running so lean. Where is that going to go? You know, it's funny. Actually, I wanted, I wanted to say one thing, Shashi, because I wanted to correct you. Is actually, in a startup, security is a first-class citizen, which is very easy to do security nowadays. I'm hosted on the Google Cloud platform, and holy cow, between that and other identity providers, security is a non-issue, which that means when I look at it through my corporate eyes and the corporate lens, it tells me that people actually, they're not taking security seriously. Even though they say they're taking security seriously, there are so many solutions out there that are very cheap. I mean, a startup, I don't have much money to invest. And making security a first-class citizen and solving those problems with what approaches and technology are out there, it's it's amazing. Um, and it's also being strategic about your application portfolio. So, for example, I got G Suite. G Suite is amazing when it comes to phishing. And I know there's a bunch of people out there in the Microsoft and stuff like that. And that could be a big political decision to go from a Microsoft stack to a Google stack and things like that. But when you think about the security, is it really that, is it security is the issue or is it the organizational issue? That they're not treating security as a first-class citizen, and then you get into an M&A issue where you talk about uh, layer um, different maturity. You have one or, one company organization that's highly mature in the security because they considered a first-class citizen, whereas you have another company who just never considered um, security as a citizen to begin with, and so now you have your fundamental 
M&A problem. But that's bullshit, Bill, because you're dealing with, you are in an ecosystem. You're within G Suite. Google's handling the security. And it, they've done it on the back end. It's all engineered and integrated. Just like if you're in, you know, Pivotal Cloud or Amazon mm-hmm. Cloud or whatever, right? They've done all of that on the back end. So you're not doing any of it, right? You may be thinking of it, but the, the difficulty of, of having to put those things together is out of your hands, isn't it? Well, that's why it's not bullshit. That's why. So why can somebody like me who has pennies to try to bootstrap a business get in and get better security than some of the Fortune 50 companies out there? And I'm being hyperbolic about Fortune 50, so people get the idea there. But I can get in. I have DNS security at my, at my DNS layer um, from Google. I have phishing security. I have a lot of the stuff that people spend months deliberating and going back and forth to, to put a million dollars, and I pay five freaking dollars a month for it. Um, or hell, even in my DNS, I pay just a couple pennies per the traffic, right? Um, it's fine for a smaller like setup if you really see like when the corporate grows, you need network security, you need your own dedicated network connections and stuff like that. G Suite and all, I mean, people are moving towards cloud collaboration platforms. That part is fine, but it's a lot around you know firewalls and setting up your switches and all those like so many loopholes you would have as and when your company becomes start becoming a global company. Uh, and then slowly you don't have, and you're right, like sometimes it's not their priority. Um, if you are in a healthcare industry, if you're in a finance industry, that's your number one priority. Uh, otherwise, as Chris mentioned, you'll be like out of business very soon. Um, so part of it is what you said, uh, the importance they give to security. Yeah, so I think this is one of the reasons that there's various levels of sophistication. Either they're doing business globally, they're doing business uh, with people in other areas that you know other folks are not doing. And I think most people's approach to security is good enough. If I've not been hacked yet, it's been good enough so far, right? But I might not have that level of sophistication. I'm completely with Bill. I understand that. If you can live inside the Google universe, if that stack is sufficient for you, well, the good news is there's a whole lot of security built into that already. But the fact is, if you're an older business, you've got legacy things going on. I mean, you may not have built security into some of those apps. It may not be available to you. And so you're having to figure out different ways to protect yourself. Yeah, Um, Bill brings up a really good point, though, because, you know, Shashi, you and I and some of our guests on this podcast all worked at a large top four consulting firm that leveraged the Google suite. Right. So that's not a small company. No, that's not employees. Right. That's like uh, now granted they didn't, they, it wasn't deployed to everybody all at once, but I mean, they're, they're using Gmail. Right. And so, you know, there's an example of a large company that's like, aha, look, our core competency really is not, you know, having a massive IT department to figure out how to make sure all the certificates of security for email and collaboration tools is all up. We're going to let Google handle that. Here are our requirements. Google, figure that out, right? That's your core company, not ours. It has started happening in the recent past, right? I'm talking about, so we are debating, it's becoming more of a security topic than Mm, M&A. That's a good point. Yeah. So ignore what I said. It has has started happening in the recent past. are leveraging more and more, uh, you know, cloud platform and you know, kind of giving security headache to the infrastructure because the infrastructure is earlier it used to be in-house on-premise infrastructure. Security was your headache. Now, infrastructure being supported by all the cloud platform, you expect them to provide you the best level of security possible. So, what was that research that you you dug up on that McKinsey said something 
Yeah, and so their point was that you know only 10% of mergers actually deliver their objectives on time. 41% take longer than they expected. And they said in 10% of cases, the reorganization fails to realize the benefit of those two organizations. I mean, you know, A plus B was something smaller than A plus B, right? Wow. Part of the reason is because they underestimate, like, and their focus is to get, you know, focus is to get the IT right, and they forget about the business integration. So it's like they might get distracted because they have underestimated the amount of effort required um, to merge uh, the not so important function of their company, for example, at the IT, which is the backbone. They keep on focusing on that. They spend years and years on doing, fixing that, and they cannot integrate the business um, sooner than what they expected. Like the merger I'm supporting right now, they have promised like over three years, they want to leverage $100 million of uh, revenue synergies. Now they are right now focusing on IT. Now, so we haven't seen the plan on how do they plan to get their $100 million revenue synergy. Well, it sounds, like, it sounds like you're going to optimize their way to $100 million. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, so IT integration follows the business integration. And what they try to do is they try to spawn all the work stream, all the business work stream, which is sales and marketing, finance, operations, and then IT as another work stream, all at the same time. So it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, in my mind, like we are struggling with making a decision. We have like about 25 different ERP systems across uh, the company which we are acquiring, right? So goal is we bring them on the same platform. But the question is, if you want to bring them on the same platform, are they doing the same business? Are there different lines of businesses? Does it make sense to have a global worldwide platform or have it for the, each region? And all this requires, all the questions related to IT will be answered when business sits together and business says that, hey, I want to merge uh, you know, all the businesses in the U.S., but I want to leave Europe separately on its own. A lot of decisions would be based on what business decides going forward. Well, I mean, shouldn't shouldn't most of the technology decisions be based on what the business is doing? Because, I mean, exactly. we're not merging these corporations, right, to acquire their servers, right? Exactly. The IP assets, right? We're, we're, right? It's about revenue, isn't it? It's about, uh, bit, you know, the Rolodex, it's about customer base, it's about uh, capabilities that we don't have or acquiring. So those are business things. So I would think, you know, in the case of, you know, 25 ERP systems, right, it's like, you know, maybe there are, you know, 20 to 25 discrete business lines of business that sort of require 25 ERP systems. And oh, by the way, maybe our integration play here during the, the merger is not to rationalize all those 25 away, but to at least come up with a, maybe a common data model or a master uh, reference, arch uh, reference architecture, reference, reference data, right? Of master data it, it, or something like that. It, because, because then IT is solving, right? A, a technical problem that has arisen uh, due to the, the business changes that are occurring. Rather than saying, we have 25 systems, that's bad, we should have one. What's driving that decision, right? Well, absolutely. What is the reason why the company got acquired? Is it primarily the revenue? Or is it like you saw that they are so inefficient in how they run their operations in IT? I'm going to acquire all these companies, optimize, get operational efficiencies out of it through IT levers and operations levers, consolidating distribution centers. And my out of 100 million, 80 million comes from cost. You have to prioritize and understand the reason why you acquired company. And then piggyback on see whether you focus on consolidating your ERP 
uh, instances or servers for distribution center versus you know um, you know you cross sell and upsell the products which are complementary uh, going to the same customers it's all about making the right parties and going back to the basic question is why did you acquire this company let's work from there and we will prioritize our it initiatives based on that rather than some cio kind of thinking about building a global platform what if I said that the problem here is actually a problem of perspective? So I'm going to give an analogy. Netflix, hundreds of systems. Google, thousands of systems. This client we're talking about, 25 freaking ERP systems. You have at-scale companies who have figured out how to solve this problem. And Chris, I think I'm going to go back to like trying to rationalize things. Yeah. Is the perspective issue the fact that people think they need to rationalize once they merge? Because if yep. you go at scale companies that are true IT business aligned, these guys have tons of, I mean, their, their business segments could be a team of five people running Gmail or a team of five people running some other component of the business, yet they're highly coupled, but loosely, or they're, they're highly, um, they're highly integrated, but loosely coupled. Whereas you're looking at these mergers and acquisitions, they're trying to tightly couple these, uh, these acquired companies. And so as I hear you talking, Shashi, the thing that comes to my mind is I think there's actually a problem of perspective. What would be the issue if these companies ran independently, these 25 systems ran independently? Yeah. What's no, the I, issue? No, I, I think you're saying issue, but I'm saying what is the business case? You are absolutely right. Why do we even need to merge all those 25 ERP systems if they're doing what they're supposed to do and business is fine with that? That's number one. Second is you need to understand like when you are acquiring business, is your goal truly merge them together and eventually you know run as a single business you are looking at keeping it separate generating operational efficiencies and then spinning it off like five years from now if that's the case you do not want to merge any of the it systems you want to keep them as separate your spin-off becomes much much easier right. how commingled you want it to be it's, it's an interesting concept right we started off the whole it start and i'm going back a little bit in the history, that line of businesses they they used to run their own IT. Right, all lines of businesses had their own IT. Then we said, okay, let's leverage efficiencies, bring all the IT together, and create shared services organization. The moment you created sh shared services organization, everything is commingled, same platform, everything. And then when you decided to spin off one line of business, that thing becomes pain. If they've been in siloed environment, it would have been easier for them to spin off their business. So, so, all right. so I'm gonna. So Shashi is is suggesting. So everyone, pay attention to this. Shashi is suggesting that we go back to a siloed technology infrastructure. No, no, hold on a second, but I, I agree because you know what that's called in today's in today's organizational concepts, microservices. Oh, hey. exactly. Oh, there we go. I mean, they, they, all the silos come back to the microservice. The small. So, I mean, assuming the silo is completely sufficient for everything they need, they need to achieve to turn an in, uh, input to an output. It, it's the concept of a microservice and the history. I'll get, I won't go too big, but if you look at the history, the microservice is not a technology pattern. It is an organizational behavioral pattern. Yes. No, you are spot on, and I'm happy. And the reason why I say that is, um, think about this, right? You enterprise architecture. When we define the architecture of a company, how many times we actually look at what is their business strategy? <laughs> right. When you think about, are you trying to, you know, grow this business, or you are trying to look at spinning off this business? Once you factor that in. You are going to architect your enterprise based on that. You'll segment your people based on that. You'll segment your um, infrastructure and applications based on that. You know, I was thinking, you know, 
both of these points are right. And that is, why would we bother to merge IT systems unless there was some great business case for it, right? Like we're not realizing opportunities because they're not connected or something like that. Other than that, it's just a big cost bit. Now, I'm not talking about let's get everybody on the same email. That's kind of an easy thing to understand that I'm going to do. But do I need to be on the same ERP system? What do I get out of that? I mean, was there is there any good reason for us to be in that space? So I don't know. But I was thinking about when I was in that mid-sized space, they would make you know, the decisions to merge systems were made at the cultural level, not at the business case level, right? Mm -hmm. And they were saying, oh, no, we bought these guys. We want them to feel like they're part of the family. So they get the same email. They get the same phones. Okay, I got that part. But, yeah, we're going to wrap all of their stuff into ER, ERP system. Um, and, you know, then you just had a mess, right? I mean, you're rolling out. Uh, Oracle, for example, at that time, to a bunch of people that had no background with it. But uh, so, but uh, Phil, just uh, I hate to interrupt you. Is that is that the fifty most influential people? What is that back there? What's that behind you? What what is it? Well, it does say fifty most influential people. I'm not sure. Normally, I keep that covered up with a copy of my book, The People Problem. But today, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, yes. I actually, I had, I had, uh, I had. Some I took it down for cleaning and adoration. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So mid mid-sized companies. I mean, so from a cult. So it was emotional, right? It was emotionally driven decision making, right? Which was not good for us or them. But I think, you know, to the extent that there are the systems that are just normal communications, how can I pull those together? I think I, I do want to do that if I, in fact, intend these groups to operate together, if it makes sense for us to cross-pollinate. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the business cases that you're talking about, right? So, I mean, I can think of, you know, so, for example, you know, I mentioned um, uh, technology, you know, technology debt, right? Um, but I think, you know, so so there, there's the use case where, you know, they're still running on SunSpark, right, and Solaris, right, operating systems and, SUSE, uh, Linux, whatever, right? And so the Slayers, Lotus Notes, and Power Builder. Power Builder or a tandem mainframe from, uh, yeah. yeah tandem. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so the, like, I think there's those use cases, right? Where it's like, okay, look, guys, your tech is 20 years out of date. The people that understood that programming language are dead, right? Like, there's, it's not like they're metaphorically dead, they're in the ground, right? There's nobody that knows. How to decompile this thing? So we have to we have to migrate right from a from a purely uh, uh, you know uh, efficiency perspective. I think so. That there's that makes sense to me. I think the case that you made right. Let's all use the same email system completely. You know some of the mobility solutions. Right. You know uh, remote access and all, all of these things. They make sense. But you know to Shashi's point and Bill's point right. It's like I have 25 ERP systems. Yeah, it looks messy. But you know what? Uh, you know, I had 24 before I acquired this company. Now I've got 25. Yeah. The 24, everything was, yeah, it wasn't nice, but it was working. Right. right. So what, what is the, what is the cost to me to go and replace all that shit? Right. And spend three years reintegrating everything down or refactoring everything down to, you know, three systems. 
versus the cost of just continuing to run it as it is. I mean, well, it's not it, a casual decision. So I think in that yeah. it's going to be software maintenance. It's going to be what are my training costs if I'm doing a transition licenses and whatever yeah, all that stuff. So I I think that one's going to be just like that. And I mean, we have and you, you know you more than me have been in this space where people this is a very significant expense for them and they just go through and analyze all that and say all right we don't over the long haul somewhere in the next two or three years we need to phase this out because either we're not going to use it or we can't afford to keep it up we can save a bunch of money going some other way no you're absolutely right shashi um when when you're dealing with this right now i mean um you know what what is the recognition at the sort of the senior uh management level, the C-suite, you know, uh, presumably the CTO gets it, right? But oftentimes he like reports to the CFO or some ridiculous thing, right? So, you know, what is the recognition in, in the boardroom around these issues? Or do they just see this as that's part of the opportunity cost of the acquisition? No, I think they, they totally understand that IT, when it comes to integration, IT is a huge component. So that is pretty much given. So that is acknowledged that. Second is uh, CFOs are primarily business case driven. So any kind of investment you want to make, you need to justify what is your business case. And the business case would come from that analysis what Bill and Phil were right now talking about. You know, does it make sense to consolidate 25 ERPs into one? Um, in some cases, for example, for security initiatives, there is no business case. It's the cost of doing business. You it's you know you have to do certain initiatives for example bringing everybody if your focus is to make everybody feel they are part of a larger organization you would rather have a single email system and not have everybody have their still own emails and so part of it is like software again that's again cost of doing business but some of it like around erps and others are uh, should be driven by the business case it's a mix of both so they understand that senior management leadership understands that. So, so if they understand it, is there a problem? <laughs> right? They, they get it. They control the purse strings. So what, what's the problem? I think that's a loaded question. You're assuming they know what the hell they're doing. Um, that's a very blunt way to put it. But when you get somebody trying to put 25 things together, like ERP systems, I love ERP systems because ERP is an implementation of a business process, right? And how many ERPs wrap up generic business processes? And how many ERP systems fail because when we say the business, I don't want to be a business versus IT, but the executional aspect of a business is not well-defined enough to codify it into a solution. Hmm. Um, and so do they, I mean, when I say they, do they, I'm not pointing at a C-suite, but does the organization in general have its stuff together enough to say we're ready to start talking about technology? So, so let me, I'm going to, I'm going to riff here for a little bit. Are you saying, that, <laughs> uh, um, what I hear you saying is uh, that that if the business doesn't understand how the business works and can't articulate, for example, what it means to manage a customer, hypothetical, Bill, hypothetical, right? Um, you know, that, that it would be very difficult then for IT to come along in a merger situation, especially, and say, "Look, uh, I, I can I can enable, I can automate, I can um, you know, I can techify right that process." Um, it, it's hard for them to do that if the business is unable to articulate what they do, which I think 
to me, me, you know, puts frankly puts the onus on tech, right, to come along and say they can't just say, look, all I know how to do is install the software and configure the thing. If you don't know what you're doing, we're screwed, right? They can't do that, right? So it's got to be like, look, I'm going to help you understand what your process is and how, what it's going to look like in in this technology. You're talking about collaboration. I mean, it's, it's what you're talking about, and that's the key to success. Now, when we are looking at from a tech perspective, ERPs, I feel uh, it not necessarily just be driven by business, but it's a stronger collaboration between business and IT. Sit in the room, try to understand, and help them understand what are the best practices which have been implemented as part of the ERP platform they are considering, and challenge them. Because one of the reasons why you buy ERP type of platform is because of the best practices which has been built, positively built within your platform. You guys have nailed it on, you nailed it on the head. I mean, you have to, this is the, it's the epitome of IT business alignment. That's why something like 80% of ERP systems fail, right? Because you don't have true IT business alignment. And what generally happens is in any, like an M&A acquisition or whatnot, a business representative, an IT representative comes in. The business has to learn how to speak some tech. The IT has to learn how to speak some business. And what happens is you don't have that, 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 that true synergy. And so I see this, like when we start talking about M&A and security is who the heck in the business understands anything about security? Even your general IT people don't know their a whole a difference between a hole in the ground and whatever else when it comes to security most of the time. Again, I go back to Shashi, what you were saying earlier, which is like the business is acquiring this other business for the business of yeah. that business, right? So, you know, come on, you can work one more in there. <laughs> yeah. The business of business is business, right? I, I, I just like. This um, and I don't know if it's conceit or whatever, right? That that technology guys have, especially enterprise architects that work mostly in an enterprise technology architecture role, is that you know, oh well, you know, this can't be done because blah 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 blah. It's just tech. It's real straightforward, right? It, it, it seems to me like you know, business has to has to. They're doing this for a reason. Maybe they're articulating it well. Maybe they're not. But the technology piece of this. I don't know why it's such a struggle. I really don't because I've been in those situations. I've seen the complexity. I get the complexity. Let, let me give you, and then this comes back to Conway's law, right? The way we communicate inside of organization is reflected in the systems we build. And it goes back to understanding and structuring how our business, we'll go back to business architecture, how our business communicates. And to your point, in tech, I can build you anything. I can build anything that you want, even if it doesn't exist today. It is not that hard. But what you have to be able to do is to tell me what you want and that seems to be the hard part because what you want is singular it could be more uh it could be duplicative but it's not everything under the sun and i think that's the the component that a lot of people get it goes back to design and design thinking and thinking you know we feel user experience and whatnot in there but it's really design thinking and designing your organi organization because your in your systems broadly speaking are reflective of exactly how you design your organization and how your organization communicates. I think you have to realize first that people are, um, they've made that decision, as you point out, for the business's sake. So they didn't make the decision based on the IT systems to begin with. Then you have to figure out, so what are we going to do once we once that's begun, right? So if we're going to go and bring these IT systems together, um, who is going to be involved? You know, in my experience, where this goes wrong, no one asked enough questions when the time came. I mean, and there's two things. There's uh, 
there's a rush, right? Once we've made it, it's like, oh, we bought this company. We want to realize the value from it right away, whatever that is. So let's integrate them right now. And there's not really that time to do, you know, the due diligence I do before I buy the company and the due diligence I do to uh, integrate the IT. Those are two different things entirely. I think it's, it is really, I mean, it sounds simple, but I think it's one of those things of giving this enough time to understand the culture. Again, look, it's just tech. They're ones and zeros. We can figure this out, right? We got smart people. Yes, yes, it's written in a language for which there is nobody in the world that can write that language. We'll figure it out somehow. So on the one hand, I see this as like an overblown problem. However, right, there are certain key areas, and I think security you mentioned, right? I think some of the other, um, some of the other areas that are that are cross-cutting across silos, right, become areas of massive concern. Data quality seems like it be a really big problem, right? Um, and so I don't think those are simple problems to solve um, necessarily, but I think, you know, it really comes all the way back to what is the business case for addressing this particular problem? And did we do enough diligence to, to know ahead of time what to expect? I, I don't know. I, can, can I ask a question? When you say when you say business case, there's two yeah. things that come to mind. Are we talking about financially, what does it mean to the company? Or are we talking about from a value perspective, what does it mean to the customer? That's a really good point. I, I don't know. I would say both. I would say both. Like eventually, even financially, what it means to companies is tied to you're adding more value to the customer. Okay. I mean, it should be. It should be, but I don't think it always is. And you know, the other thing I think on that bit, and this is really um, how does the customer see this integration, right? I think about in mergers and acquisitions, one of the places that you see intense variability is invoicing, um, you know, and how that's presented to the client, right? How did we deliver that? What does that look like? What information is there? How did we come to that data on the way there? And I think that's, you know, there's a lot, but we, you know, we've talked about the internal training, we've talked about the integration systems, but I don't think we've even gotten to the part of if we are going to do this, how do we uh, prepare our customers for the changes? I love that, Phil, because you know we've talked about, I think we've all railed against this actual mentality so many times of nobody's thinking about the customer, and here we've gone 40 minutes without thinking about the customer at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I don't see this as unique to a merger and acquisition problem. I look at it as an organizational problem. It's not technology, it's business. Um, and most of the time, I think the failures are because they're looking inwards and not outwards towards the customer. Um, that makes sense. Like, hence what we did. We talked about tech the whole time and finally talked about customers. Uh, so I think M&A would be completely different from a technology perspective if the business started focusing on um, the design for users as opposed to the design for uh, the stock market really easy to not realize the value of your acquisitions really easy for lots of value to simply evaporate uh, because you get this wrong and so i think you take you spend some time get the right answers you know the things we talked about let's get that internally let's figure out what we don't know and what i mean by that i feel like a lot of our conversation wrapped around what were the known unknowns i think there's a lot of unknown unknowns right there's there's things there are cultural things that have built into a business over time that we've 
that the business is internalized to the point they don't, if you ask them about it, they don't even recognize it's a thing to be talked about, right? So you have to be pretty meticulous in getting that data out in order to recognize the value. Listen, we're in this business, we're in the IT side of this because we know we can bring value to the equation. We also know it's really easy not to ask the right questions. Let's be the cats that ask the right questions. Let's ask good questions. First and foremost, don't overcommit to the street. Uh, once you overcommit to the street, you are under the pressure to deliver that, and it could be unreasonable amount, it could be unreasonable time frame, which could eventually lead to you failing to realize the value of your acquisition. Second thing, focus on your day one priorities. What do you want to achieve on day one? You want to focus on financial reporting. You want to make sure that everybody is able to communicate between both the new entities joining together. Get your priorities right on that before jumping onto your steady state conversation. Third thing is before you start talking about IT integration, first understand what your business case is, understand your business integration strategy, and then involve IT as a part of that conversation to influence it early in the game, and then build your IT integration roadmap around that. Thank you very much. This was good stuff. Um, appreciate it. Shashi, it's good to see you again. Um, let's, let's keep this rolling. And uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. Consultants saying things. I'm Chris Lockhart. We'll see you next time.